Okay, um, it's about a minute after nine, so I, th I think we're just going to get started. Um, today is uh, February 10th, uh, 2015, and we're here for Fiction Old and New, and we're discussing uh, Anthony Doerr's uh, book, um, All the Light We Cannot See, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of information about him. Um, Anthony Doerr grew up in Novelty, Ohio, and graduated from Bowdoin College in Maine with a history degree in 1995. He then earned a Master's of Fine Art degree from Bowling Green State University. His first collection of short stories, The Shell Collection, I'm sorry, The Shell Collector, has stories that are set mainly in Africa and New Zealand, where he's lived, and the collection was published in 2002. His first novel, About Grace, was published in 2004. A memoir, Four Seasons in Rome, on twins, insomnia, and the biggest funeral in the history of the world, came out in 2007. His second collection of short stories, Memory Wall, was published in 2010. Um, from 2007 to 2010, he was the writer in residence for the state of Ohio, where he lives with his wife and twin sons. He also writes a column on science books for the Boston Globe. Tonight's novel, All the Light We Cannot See, was published in 2014. It was a finalist for the National Book Award and spent 34 consecutive weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. So why don't we go around and see what everybody uh, thought of this book. And if you'd like, um, you can also tell us if you were more interested in one of the storylines, uh, the Marie Lore or the uh, Werner storyline more than the other. Well, I'll jump in. I, I'm still three hours and change from finishing, but the title of the novel is All the Light We Cannot See. I've, I've given it a new title, All the Time and Scene Changes I Cannot Follow. I've had a real hard time with this book because it's jumped all over the place, and it's uh, it's probably just the way my mind's structured, but uh, uh, it, it's taken away from my enjoyment of it. I, I, I like stuff. I, I don't mind time jumps and stuff like that. I, I don't like them to jump quite so often and, and quite so quickly, though, and uh, it's, really, it's really messed up my enjoyment of the book. I know it's gotten great ink, and it's uh, been nominated for awards and stuff, but... Uh, I, I, I'm just having a real hard time, and I'm probably not even going to finish it because it's not really grabbed me. And I think it's because it's jumped around so much, it's really uh, it's really affected my enjoyment of the book. Uh, I, I probably like the uh, the Marie Lore story the 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 best the 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 jewel and stuff, which seems to me a blatant uh, thing on the heart of the uh, the heart of the ocean, the jewel in the, the Titanic movie a couple of years back, but. Uh, uh, like I say, it, it's been real hard for me to, <laughs> for, for for me to, to keep any kind of suspense or to, to keep any kind of tension in the book because it, it's jumped around so much, and uh, that's uh, my take. Yeah, this is Sherry. I occasionally it took me a couple sentences to figure out where I was, but I really I really liked the book a lot. I thought it was very good, and uh, I liked both the storylines equally. I thought it was pretty interesting that this is the first time I can recall where you have a fairly sympathetic Nazi in Werner who, you know, is a Nazi. There's no denying it. He was responsible for getting a lot of people killed. But yet, um, I'm sorry, Alan, we're going to be giving stuff away. But when he died, I felt really bad. 
Alan, that's interesting. I had written some questions down uh, to 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 bring up, and one of the questions that I had written down was, "What did you think of the structure of the book? Did it confuse you?" And and Alan, it obviously did. Uh, it was a little hard to follow at times, but but I was able to do it. I like this book. I I read it early in January, and and I put a review on DB Review, and then when this came out, I said, "Well, do I need to read this book again?" Yeah, I do need to kind of check through and get characters and straight. I ended up reading it almost, almost reading the whole thing again over the weekend, kind of skipping or skipping a little bit. I liked the book, and the more interesting, well, both both the plots were interesting, but the interesting plot to me was Marie Lore, I think, because of the blindness angle, and I think one of the things that I hope we'll talk about is how the author handled that, I think there were some things that we today would not think of in as best practices in training a blind child, but uh, uh, that didn't bother me a whole lot because of the time. But you do wonder why he didn't, why her father didn't use some of the resources. This was Paris, and there's a you know school for blind children in Paris and all this. But I, I hope that's something we'll get into. Is is her perceptions and her world and, and how that all came together but it was I enjoyed the book it was uh, very suspenseful as as all the characters sort of moved together and, and that's why I think the the shifting back and forth was kind of effective because you it's almost like seeing the chess pieces move around and and come together and finally all come together at the end so uh, basically I, I thought it was a pretty good book well written very memorable characters and uh Kind of long, maybe, but uh, but it, it held my interest, and I enjoyed it a lot. I like the book also, and uh, I be, was um, confused just a little bit at the beginning until I found out that it was two parallel stories, and so when it jumped, it just jumped to the other character, the, either uh, Verna or her. It was just back and forth once I understood that it wasn't uh, a problem at all with the jumps. You, you just wondered. You knew somewhere, at least I knew, that their lives would come together somewhere. And I was just wondering how that would they would do that, how the author would get those two lives together. And I thought it was very interesting at the end of the book when they did come together. Um, this is Michelle. Uh, first, Carla, I wanted to welcome you, um, and we're just talking about our initial impressions of the book, and if we liked one of the storylines, you know, more than than the other storyline. Um, I thought the going back and forth to me added to the tension of the story, and I think um, the thing that I guess I liked the best about the story is it almost felt like to me that the story was taking place in real time. Um, which was interesting because I knew in my mind that this was taking place in the 1940s. So to be able to convey that to me, to make it feel like it was really happening at, at that moment, I thought he's, he's a pretty good writer to be able to do that. Um, and I guess another thing that I really liked a lot was just the whole idea of learning about how important the radio was at that time. Um, I think sometimes people don't always realize the, the real significance of, of the radio, and I thought he really did a good job 
with that. And I also like the epilogue at the end. I like that he told us what was happening with the, the different characters as well. Um, I wasn't as big a fan of the, the storyline with the diamond, the sea of flames. I thought it was a little fantastical, and I don't know if it added that much to the story. Um, and what Sherry was saying about the good Nazi, I mean, I, I had expressed this to her as well. I felt that Anthony Doris sort of set up the book in a way that you were supposed to feel empathy for Werner because he was an orphan, because his alternative was to go down in the mines, because he was basically a good kid, he was very smart. But I personally can never feel sympathy for anyone who's a Nazi, no matter what their backstory is. So I, I couldn't make that leap, but I think that's what he was trying to do. So why don't we see what what everybody else thought of the book I liked it Um, it was one of those books that while I was reading it I was so totally engrossed in it but it was at the same time it was a book that I could put down and go and pick something else up and then come back to it because it was a very intense book I thought and I really enjoyed it though and I I liked both stories of Marie Lore and Werner. I felt bad when Werner died. It and um I felt in a way like the epilogue at the end was just kind of thrown in there, that scene with her and with Marie Lore and her grandson, um, I just I felt like that was a little. It was almost like, well, I need to hurry up and finish this. But I did really like the book. I it was so vivid, and one of the characters that I felt bad for was um, Fred. Frederick, the boy who his father wanted him to be in the wanted to be a Nazi so bad that he had to memorize the eye charts and he just couldn't handle it. The boy, the other boys caught on and he ended up basically um, losing it. And I did feel bad for him. And I thought it just showed what it was like at that time. And yeah, it was like the story was being told in real time, even though it was in the 1940s. It was a very interesting way it was written. And I just thought it was, I thought it was a really good book. A little slow at times and very intense. It was one that I couldn't read for long periods of time. I could read it for maybe an hour and then I had to stop and go pick up something else and then maybe the next day pick it up again. Um, Leela and Don and Carla, did you guys read the book and, and what did you think? Well, this is Carla and um, I, I don't want to re- rain on your parade, but I didn't enjoy the book maybe as much as as, um, many of you did. I came away from the book. I know it was well written, and I liked the storylines equally, and I did like how it went from one to another, but I came away from the book feeling very empty. 
I don't know. I just feel like we got attached to certain characters and they were sacrificed. We got really attached to Werner and he got killed. And um, the injustice that happened to Friedrich, uh, Friedrich um, I, I felt really badly about about that. And even about um, the cruel things that the Hitler youth did at that school, like um, throwing that water on um, on that man, on that prisoner, and then Friedrich um, refused to do it. He just threw his water on the floor and on the ground, and then he ended up being sacrificed and you know just just being totally ruined for life. I mean, he couldn't even feed himself or anything like that. And and it was things like that that sort of made me come away from the book feeling very very empty. That you know, Marie Laure's father never came back after all the sacrifice that he did. Um, and as I said, what happened to Werner? And the other one, uh, the other thing that really bothered me was the girl in the swing, how they just shot her. Um, there was no radio there, and there was nothing there, and they shot her, and they shot the mother. Um, and it just it just made me feel very empty. I, I just came away from the book, and I know that's how it was and everything. But I guess I see so much violence on television, and there's and then and then um, um, the the girls being raped, um, you know, from the orphanage, Yuta and um, Frau Elena, and 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 them being raped by those Russians. Just just the wanton cruelty of the book really upset me. And I guess I'm a sensitive soul. And um, that said, the things I did like, though, was, um, of course, the foreign languages and being a, a serious um, DXer. I, I love the radio thing on this, and I do, how, do know how important radio is, and I get really excited. And I know how important the radio was during the war. And just the little things, that, the little nursery rhymes in French like, um, a la malade, je suis malade, um, you know, I'm salad, I am sick, um, you know, a la salade, je suis guerri, and that, that neat little, um, swinging rhyme that that girl, little girl had that, you know, that eins, zwei, uh, oh, what is it? Eins, zwei, Polizei, yeah, that was it. One, two, police. Um, drei, vier, officier, which means three, four, officer. And, um, you know, it's, it's just how they and they did that. Um, fünf, sechs, alte hex, which means five, six, old witch. And then, and then, um, sieben, acht, gute Nacht. Um, seven, eight, good night. I, I, I love those little things. Well, anyhow, I'm not going to hold the mic anymore, but those are my feelings. I agree. It was definitely a downer. And I, whenever I read books about World War II or about the American South during the Civil War, slavery, I always read them with a feeling of dread because you know really horrible things are going to happen to characters you like. Um, one thing I wanted to add about the epilogue was that one nice touch I thought was when the grandson was playing some war game on a little portable game system and announced that he had been killed. And I just thought the contrast between how we trivialize war with video games was, uh, that was pretty stark compared to what she had suffered through in a real war. 
Um, I actually forgot to mention Jill as well. So um, Leela and Don and Jill, um, if you guys wanted to say anything, everybody else will hold off the mic as well. And I, 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 I liked a lot what you said, Carla. I really did. I think you made a lot of really good points. And I think a lot of people have read this book, and there's a whole bunch of reactions. Some people just love it, and the other people find a lot of aspects of this story troubling. Um, one of my friends... Coincidentally, we're actually reading this book in my library book group as well. Um, and one of my friends in the group, she really did not like the portrait of Marie Lore and the way that she was treated uh, by her father. She thought that it, it made she she wondered, you know, if Anthony Doerr did much research um, into you know, blindness and, and everything like that. And people have had a whole bunch of reactions. So why don't we see what um, Leela and Don and Jill felt about this story? Well, this picks up on what you said. Um, <clears throat> yes, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of a special audience in this case. And I think that we, at least I personally felt that it was a problem of his simply not doing the research that he should have and could have done, um, because I can't believe either that blind were, I mean, it was possible for them to be educated. Uh, there were certainly books available. He didn't talk about, you know, how the books, you got the impression that they had to be bought and then take a lot of money. I don't, I don't believe that. I admit I didn't, I really intended to try to find someone who lived in Europe and ask them, but I, I certainly didn't believe it was true. And even though, you know, it, it certainly added to the story about the jewels and stuff, um, for those of us who learned to travel, we certainly didn't care what houses or buildings looked like. It was nice to know that there was a store on the corner or a drugstore down the middle of the block, but you didn't need a, an actual picture of it, you know, especially one that came apart and stuff. I mean, obviously the father was a, a brilliant woodsman and it was fun and it you know made for interesting but for a blind person you know it was meaningless really because what you really wanted to know was the layout of the streets which he did give her uh, along the way but I mean he did all these carvings and stuff which is kind of silly really um, <laughs> so that's my take on that part I really think and because of this I really enjoyed the part uh, with Werner the most. Uh, I thought his character was the most interesting, and yes, uh, he did make it possible for us to have empathy because of his circumstances, and he would do anything to get out of going into the mines, and he was smart enough to be able to do it. And I think the redeeming thing was, and the sad thing was, he, he knew, you know, he admitted to himself, he was so ashamed of himself that he couldn't do what his friend Frederick had done. And I, I think that helped redeem him also. And yes, I was shocked <laughs> when, when he was killed also. But, um, and there was certainly a lot of loose ends. I really, I really do blame the author though. And I don't know why, what his excuse was for not doing the research that I thought for, for us who knew better, uh, it was certainly lacking in that department. This is Don, and I think about the blindness. I think it's it, I, my main content. It could have been so much worse, which it usually is. Portrayal of of a blind person or blind child, and 
uh, is, uh, the history is just full of them, and it's even currently. So uh, I was a little concerned. He's giving her a bath when she's tw- well, was kind of old. <laughs> and so I, I, I thought it was uh, uh, the structure was very good. Uh, uh, that is, it kept attention in this story. The uh, the the guys coming down to this town on the coast of Normandy, I guess it was, and then the Allies coming in and burning it. So that that uh, certainly kept a, a bit of and then the ins, insane uncle and so on. So that that certainly wasn't. It kind of brings back. I read it several weeks ago, so I uh, brought back memories. I'd forgotten about the jewels actually. That um, I think everybody didn't mention the sister that got left behind in the orphanage, and uh, uh, she Werner uh, was. Got a pretty good deal, except that it was a horrible camp. Uh, but uh, he turned himself in, you know, turned him, uh, t- turned himself into the Allies at the end. But he he got injured and uh, killed, died. Uh, I think the rape part was unfortunate. But you know, there were two million rapes there in East Germany, and it was pretty awful. And uh, to say they didn't get raped would have been kind of um, bad i had to read a, the account of it in braille when i was learning braille so on reader's digest i think it was so anyway that, that's always been a point but it was uh very very bad and i think the epilogue really kind of put things together i don't know what he didn't bring together but he brought the story together pretty well i really enjoyed the book well um i like the book but I'm glad I have choices as to how to read it because Jill Fox is a great narrator. She is. And I don't think any narrator really would have done this story justice. I am so glad that I could read it in Braille because um, I this was an actually – it was a very emotional story. I loved the way he described things. The Shells. I'm always interested in... I might read that book, by the way, by Jules Verne. I haven't read that, but... um, I love seashells. I love fish. Um, I don't know if I like snails, but... (laughs) Um, um, Whose storyline did I like the best? I think I like both of them equally. Um, But... I, I can't help but try and imagine... What in the world a whole neighborhood would look like carved out of wood? It'd be I mean I've done some wood wood wooding, is that a word? Before and so I know what sculptures look like and stuff like that, but it would be quite interesting. And then you know, to have her Marie Lord left all alone for so long that was that was really sad, and I think one of the things I do like, and I think it's because I've read a lot of books that I can say this. This book was very descriptive, but when it came to the violence, it wasn't um, as detailed as I have seen other books go into, which really I appreciated because. I don't know that I would have been able to read those parts, but I was because when I, whenever I thought of okay, I'm going to quit reading now, it was over. It's like it was enough to know that 
it happened, but you know it didn't. Well, a part. I guess some of it did, but anyway, that's my take. I'm glad what you said about reading it in Braille because I did the same thing. And uh, when it, when it's a book that I really feel you know is going to be extra special, I I do tend to w- want to read them in Braille. I want to do my own interpretation, and I really think. It was a lot easier for us to follow the storyline because the minute you started a new sentence and it wasn't, <laughs> it didn't go along with the last sentence. You knew right away that you were, you know, reverting back to the other story. So I think it made it a lot easier to follow it by reading it in Braille too. And yes, and I, I did certainly appreciate the writing style, the writing, and and I because I don't think I really said it. I really did enjoy the book too. Um, it's just that I, I certainly had some criticisms of the author, but I did enjoy the book. Oh, Alan, I'm sorry. I don't know how I interrupted you. I uh, was very interested in uh, what's his name, Ferner's uh, story. Uh, he ca- kind of got swept along in life. He wasn't making any of these decisions. To do, he just was doing what was asked of him, and I didn't think of him as a Nazi. I thought of him as a German soldier doing what he is ordered to do when he went out and uh, was hunting the French resistance. That was just something that soldiers did in that position. And I just thought he was swept along. But th- the other thing that I thought was very interesting was the jewel with his curse and it and it was thought that if you had it the person that had it wouldn't die and the German officer or the Nazi officer that was after it had cancer and that's why he wanted to get a hold of that jewel so he wouldn't die and then uh, he died in the house while searching for it I, I forgot exactly how he died but he was searching for the Jewel all over the house while she was up in the top floor operating the radio. But that's why he was looking for the jewel, so he wouldn't die. I thought of Werner more as a genius, a boy genius radio man. I love the radio part, too. I've always been interested in that stuff. And his sister, I think that's the reason that he was the way he he became the way he became because his sister started it but she wasn't what is the word i think she was the catalyst maybe that's the word and then frederick what happened to him i think really set Werner on the path of okay i don't like this anymore and um i did read or not read I did listen to the interview that Anthony Doerr um, did, and he sounds like a really cool person. Um, for a book this deep, he just sounds like a very, I don't know. Um, the German that died in the house with Marie Lore was killed by Werner, I believe. That's the way I took it to to be that Werner came there and found him and they confronted each other and Werner shot him and killed him, which saved Marie Lore's life, basically. Yeah, and um, then 
he ended up with her model. But did you notice in the epilogue at the end when he was, Marie Lore was using her cane and um, it was, there was a mention in there of the roller tip, the ball tip and for somebody who really didn't research blindness, wonder how he found out about that. Wow, I didn't notice that at all. Um, I didn't mind the blindness parts too much. I guess I thought that the father just didn't know what he was doing and didn't know how to deal with it very effectively and didn't know what resources were available to him and stuff, and maybe he was a bit overprotective. Um, John, you mentioned you had some questions written down. You want to shoot shoot some at us? Yeah, I didn't. The blindness part didn't bother me that much either, but that jumped out at me at the end, and I wondered if anybody else noticed that. I think a lot of the a lot of the questions I have have kind of been covered. Uh, one thing I wrote down is what is what do you think the title means? Actually, um, it, Anthony Doris said something about the title. Um, he said that he got that title because number one of Marie Lore, and then number two, when Werner was in that, I think this is what he said. If I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody will let me know. Um, when Werner was in that cellar for so long and he couldn't get out, and he heard the her reading basically. And then when they met up together, she was literally leading him. I think that's what he said, because it was dark, so therefore all the light we cannot see. That's really rem- I'd forgotten all about that. I read it so long ago, but I never missed the thing about the roller tip. They didn't have such things. They had those old wooden dog killers back there with their crooked handle and stuff. What built a lot of tension for me was the fact that Marie Lower was blind and I put myself in her side, in her place and I could almost not imagine the fear that you would uh, feel not being able to see anything and then bombs going off around you. Man, that was scary enough. Lay under the bed and hold uh, that little building that she had in with the jewel inside of it. How horrible and how... I, I think... Once in a while, I think if I had a fire in my house, how would I get out? When I get excited, I can't. Uh, I get. I get confused. I haven't been blind that long. I get confused to where I am in the house. So, I put myself in her, her in her shoes. A man downstairs coming up, going to kill you for sure. Bombs going off around. How horrible and how stressful. And that's one of the reasons I like the book because uh, it put me right there with her yeah that that was her you know in the house and there's somebody in the house and you don't know who it is and and she knew her way around the house of course but it all been bombed and everything was was pretty much destroyed the house was not destroyed but her her familiar surroundings were pretty much messed up so that, that I thought that was that was pretty effective and her father was interesting because he he did choose to take care of Marie himself and you got to remember too now this is uh, the, the parts of this that we object to this isn't 
2015. We're back in, in you know, 1940 where attitudes were a lot different about blindness. He did have resources he could have used, but apparently didn't. But how did she learn Braille? Did the father learn Braille and then teach her? If so, uh, that's pretty amazing that I, I, I don't know how he would have, how he did that. If he did, that's, a, that's quite an act of love. Yes, he was pretty much overprotective. In, in some ways, he, he tried to sugarcoat things. And when he sent the letters, oh, I'm in, I'm in this, this great prison and we're all treated wonderful. And I think everybody sort of saw through that. I wondered what happened, what really happened to the diamond at the end. It's a little confusing. Uh, she throws something in the ocean when, when she's with Werner, which I presume to be the house with the diamond in it, and then apparently he goes back to get it. Is that because he wanted something of hers? Or I don't know. And then the, the, the little house model shows up again uh, 30 years later, and she gets it. But there's no diamond in there, and I, I wasn't. I was never sure quite what exactly happened. Well, that was my friend's question. Also, she she was saying to me, "How did um, Marie learn Braille?" And I didn't remember in the story that she went to school to learn Braille. So that was an interesting question. Um, I did like the fact that she really loved books. And I think he did a really good job of showing how very much she really loved her books and her stories and, and how important that was for her. And I also thought he did a good job in showing relationships, like the relationship between Marie-Laure and her father, that there was real love between them, the relationship between Werner and her sister, Utah. I'm probably going to say it wrong. Um, so you did really have a good sense of like relationships in this story as well. And I was a little confused about, I think there were four diamonds. There was one original and three copies. And I was thinking to myself, how realistic is it that the director is going to give one to a security guard and one to Marie-Laure's father, and they're going to just go off with this diamond that's worth like God knows how much. So that seems a little far-fetched to me. The whole storyline with the diamonds, I guess it was interesting part of the story, but that was like the part of the story that I, I probably liked the least, I think. But I liked the relationships. I liked her her love of reading. I think that was really important. Um, and um, I became visually impaired as an adult, so it's, it's kind of hard for me to judge how realistic it is to be a child who's blind, to be honest. I, I have a hard time understanding it. But I guess what John's saying makes sense to me that attitudes were different at the time and people had less understanding. And because it was just Marie-Laure and her father, you know, maybe he even felt even more protective towards her. So that that's kind of a difficult question, I think. I thought Marie uh, learned Braille in school like uh, children her age did. The, uh, the author just didn't go into that because the story pretty much started when the Germans walked into Paris. And, of course, she was already there, uh, a girl that would have been in school. And when they left Paris, they became refugees. 
and went to her, I think it was her granduncle's house, thought they might be safe there. Of course, there wasn't any schools in because there was a war going on. I don't think she went to school then because, okay, she she became blind at six. And before, uh, let's see, this would have been before the Nazis came. And then every day, if you remember, after that, every day she went to the museum with her father. She didn't go to school. Uh, she didn't go to a blind school. She went with her father, and they t- they showed her all the stuff in the museum, and she learned this, the shells, and she was fascinated by everything she had. And then on her birthday, her father would buy her Braille books. So I don't think she learned it in school. I think I think maybe she learned it from her father, and then it was later after after the war was over and she went back to Paris with her uncle. She said, I want to go to school because I think she realized that she had she was fascinated by everything, but her world was pretty restricted. You know, she had this one book she had to keep reading over and over and over and over again, which would would have driven me a little crazy. <laughs> but uh but no, I, I don't think she ever had the uh the school for the blind children in Paris or anything like that. I agree. I, I don't. She didn't, and that's what bothered me. You know, she just taught taught herself braille. She might have been smart enough to do it, but it sure wouldn't have been easy. Yeah. And there was no indication that the father knew it either. So I, I do think that was weak part of the story. And by the way, when <clears throat> when the box finally showed up again and it had a key in it, I guess I missed something. Because what was the key for? Um, that's a good question, actually, what the key was for. I'm sure everybody's going to remember. Um, one thing I was wondering is also, what did you all think of the epilogue? Because I thought it was really interesting at the end that he jumped so far into the future and showed you different storylines. And I, I was trying to think of another book that I've ever read that had a similar ending. And I, I just couldn't think of one. And I actually liked the epilogue. I sort of liked knowing. Sometimes when we read books, the, there's so many loose, loose ends. There were loose ends in this story, but he tied it up a, a little bit at, at the end, I thought. The key was to the grotto, where the uh, Daryl Bazin, or whatever his name was, um, he showed it to her, and that's where the snails and the... Uh, ocean, the beach was, and that's where she got caught with the. She almost got caught with the um, ordinary loaf of bread, and the German was there looking for her. And it ended up that her uncle came and got her after the German left. Um, and the stone, that was a weird thing because it said that she threw it into the ocean, and she asked Werner. Okay, is it in the water? And he said, yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, it's in the water. I don't remember. I think she gives the house to him. And, of course, it's probably found in his bag or whatever. I think that's what happened. But then it went into this weird part where it said it rained and it snowed and... It made it look like volcanoes were coming up and stuff, thing, something, and then there was a stone, and I don't know. That was weird. I'm going to go, since I've saved the book in Braille, I'm going to go back and look and be sure. But that, you're right about the key, and I do remember now. And the only other thing that I wanted to say about it, I was glad that the sister 
came out well, you know, for all the, because she was so, she, she was really truly good and, and was on the right track all the way and was glad to see her come out well in the epilogue. Talking about epilogues, though, Tolstoy did the same thing with War and Peace. They had the end of it, so it's done quite a... I I like the epilogue. I like books like that sometimes that tell you what happened later. Sometimes when they don't do that, I make up an ending. Did I miss something, or did they tell us what happened to Frau Elena, the woman who was taking care of Werner and Yoda and the other... Yoda, uh, what, however you pronounce her name, and the other orphans, because I don't remember hearing what happened to her other than that she got raped, but, I mean, in the epilogue or anything. You know, I was also going to say that what happened with Marie Law's father, that part really rang true to me because I, I could imagine at that time that a lot of people disappeared and were never seen or heard from ever again, really. I mean, I know he wrote letters and stuff, but I don't think that they... He ever came back, and I don't remember them being reunited in the story. So I thought actually that was a, a part of the story that to me really did actually ring very true. Well, that's the thing that I, I mean, who doesn't like a happily ever after story? So I kind of like the fact that this wasn't a happily ever after story, and it was reality. And but yet it's like oh I wish her father and her had been united you know but but like I said I I, I like the fact that it wasn't a happy happily ever after story because it was real it made it more real. Yes, I was thinking a lesser author or, or another author I won't say a lesser author another author author would have you know because because Marie and Werner get together for that for those few hours. Uh, Another in the hands of another author, author, they would have gone off into the sunset with a fairy tale ending, and that would have been, you know, they would have lived and lived happily ever after. And he he didn't do that, and so I think that's uh, very realistic and very sad. We we probably maybe we would have preferred a happier uh, resolution for Marie and Werner, but it just wasn't going to happen. Well, I think that, you know, he created two very sympathetic characters here because he, we meet them when they're really young children and really, um, you know, terrible things happen and the fact that Marie Lore lost her father at, at such a, you know, a young age. I mean, she was a, a, a young girl and, of course, she went to live with her great uncle but still it wasn't wasn't her father, so... That part, I mean, there were a lot of things in the story that I really liked. Um, and sometimes when I read these World War II stories, I'm not always in the mood for them. <laughs> so I think I had some problems with this story because I had read a lot of World War II stories recently, and I think I had been, I was sort of, had reached my limit on what I could, could tolerate. But I can see myself trying this again maybe in six months or a year, and I have a feeling then I'll probably like it more the, the second time that I read it. It's funny, I have the same thing about World War I stories. Um, well, there are a couple of things that struck me. First of all, getting back to that roller tip, I thought that, I didn't think those were invented back then. Um, I really thought that was a modern invention. Um, another thing that I found very peculiar is 
Um, there was no mention at all of the death camps or anything, um, you know, and, and that's just such a, a primary um, part of World War II, and it just sort of skirted that issue just about completely, although some implicit things were in there about, um, you know, maybe that's where some of these people disappeared to. And as far as Frau Elena, she and the girls, uh, they were put to work, I think, in, in factories or something like that, and then they were raped, and, and, you know, that's sort of what happened to them. But I loved Frau Elena. I really did. And that was just another one of those little injustices that um, it was just, I don't know, this story was hard. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood for for all of these injustices and things, but um, it, it made me feel really sad, and I could not shake uh, what happened to Friedrich, and I could not shape what happened to that that innocent little girl that um, Berner saw playing on the swings, and uh, then the next thing you know, they're in her house, and um, it was a false alarm as far as a radio. It wasn't an antenna that he saw. Nevertheless, even when they didn't discover a radio, why they would shoot the mother and shoot her. You know, she was in a closet and just shoot her. I mean, I don't know. They're, they're just, I guess it's supposed to show man's injustice to man, mankind's injustice to mankind. And um, with the Hitler Youth School, you know, Hitler really got them at a very, very vulnerable time. I know because one of the age groups I work with a lot is middle schoolers. And that is the time when they are, uh, there's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of just um, getting together in groups and bullying other people. And so he really caught them at the right time. And um, what those boys were trained to do, uh, it, was, it was just amazing to me. One of the things I found that was interesting, I knew that the the Allies bombed San Malo and practically destroyed the city, but I didn't know that before they did that, they dropped those leaflets and asked all of the civilians to leave leave town, to leave the city, and that's how she she left with everybody else as they was walking out, and then the next day the serious bombing started taking place. And so I didn't know that they had done that and then found that little interesting tidbit in the story. I th- I'm pretty sure in the epilogue, the part about the roller tip, I think that part actually was very recent. I think she he brought us way <clears throat> ahead. Um, I don't... I know the roller tips weren't invented back then, so it was, he really moved ahead in the epilogue many, many years, but anyway, um, Werner was kind of stuck, he, he had no choice, it was either go to the school or go to the mines, and I, I liked Werner, I felt bad for him. He was between a rock and a hard place, and he would do anything to stay out of the mines. So, the radio was his answer, and the fact that he was so good at it saved him. And I think in some ways, even though he had to do things that he didn't like doing, he, I think... 
the radio and being able to do other tasks helped him in the end to be more human. And he still was, you know, he still cared about his sister. And I thought it was great the way she came out in the end. She was sort of the forgotten character there for a while, I think. Yes, uh, Randy, you're right. The the roller tip thing was in the epilogue. The epilogue was set in 2008, so the roller tip would have been an acceptable thing there. Uh, of course, I don't know what they use in Europe, whether they use roller tips or when they started using them, but that would have been set in, in 2008. Well, I'm just going to just mention the next book for next month. This has been a really good discussion and we, we don't have to end it, but I know sometimes people leave it at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock my time, Eastern time. Um, so I'm just going to mention the book for next month. Um, it's a book that I have a feeling some of you may have already read. I hope not too many of you. Um, it's called Major Pettigrew's Last Stand and the author is Helen Simonson, S-I-M-O-N. S-O-N. Again, it's Major Pettigrew's Last Stand. The DB number is 70760. Um, it came out in 2010, and it was a pretty popular book, and for some reason I never got around to reading it. So I, I recently read it, and I just loved it. Um, I, um, it's, it takes place in um, a small town in England, and it, there's Major Pettigrew, who is a, a 68-year-old retired a major who's a widower and he has a romance with Mrs. Ali who's a 58 year old uh, she's from Pakistani origin but she actually was born in Britain and they live in this little town and they have a lot of relationships with different family members and there's a lot of cultural stuff and there's a lot of class stuff and there's a lot of humor in the story and for people who don't like British novels, um, the author, Helen Simonson, um, has lived in the United States for more than 20 years. So there's, there's some British stuff in the book, but it's not like what you think of as a, a really difficult British story. I thought it was a really easy, lovely, um, funny story, very warm story. It's about 12 and a half hours long. It's called Major Pettigrew's Last Stand, and the author is Helen Simonson. And the next time that Fiction Old and New will be meeting is actually four weeks from today, which is March 10th. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, I put the book information up in the chat window. You can use F9 to get up there. Um, John, I noticed you had a comment, um, so I wanted to let you get to that. But one other thing I wanted to say about the thing that just strikes me over and over again in reading World War II books, even in this book, in the school, they took measurements of the angle of their noses and checked the shade of the color of their eyes and their hair. And and it, I just want to scream at these people, don't they know what Hitler looks like? I mean, the Hitler is not Aryan. Why doesn't anyone stop and, and notice that what they're prizing above all else, their own Fuhrer does not meet those standards, but... Apparently, no one thought of that. Yeah, that that really struck me in the story, too, because Werner had very, very light hair. It sounded like his hair was even lighter than platinum blonde, and he had very, very blue eyes. 
Um, and you're right. I mean, Hitler certainly doesn't meet the standards of, of what an Aryan is supposed to look like. But and that part really struck me as well. And that that was another part of the story that I thought was very well done. Was what went on in the school. Um, I guess it's a school or a training ground or whatever, which really, um, you know didn't seem like a wonderful place to be and they were showing you the way that they were taking these young men and and I guess re-educating them and, and making them into you know brutal killing people but you're, you're right about the, the that's one thing about the, the Aryan way is that they're very interested in a certain look and, um, and it's very I think it's something that people carry for years and years with them, and it's it's interesting to me actually nowadays because there is much more images of, of multicultural beauty. Um, for many years, somebody like Grace Kelly or Catherine Deneuve, you know, was the epitome of, of beauty, and they didn't really look at other types of beauty. So one thing I guess that I like about present day is that there's more acceptability of, of ranges of, of beauty and, and appearance. Wasn't her school the only place that Werner could have gotten the kind of radio training that he did get, even though it seemed like he practically ended up knowing more than the instructor that was teaching him? He actually did know more. That, that's how he almost got in trouble with it. Yeah, I don't think there were a lot of school options open for him. I have a question real quick. When her father got arrested, the perfumer guy came and he said, I just talked to your father, we have to go. What was he going to do with her? Was he going to turn her in? Probably, and I don't know if he knew about the diamond or not. Did you all like the diamond part of the story? I mean, did you think that it really added a lot to this story? Um, I felt it was a little distracting, and, I mean, it just, I don't know. I, I just didn't really take to that part of the story. What, did you all like that, or did you not care, or what did you think? Oh, I agree with you, Michelle. I thought the diamond part was the least interesting part of the story. The, the diamond part led you to the Nazi officer who wanted it to, so he could keep from dying, so he could get a cure. So there are actually three stories in there, Maurice uh, and uh, Werner, and then the Nazi, who was uh, desperately searching for that diamond. They split it up four different ones, with one real one and three, to, to try to keep it, uh, give so many different kinds of leads where no one be able to find the real one. You all are going to laugh at me. But the part I liked about the diamond story was, and basically I think, before I say that, I think Marie Lore, it was her way to hold on to her father. That's the way I thought of it. Um, and then it was, of course, it was her whatever love gift or whatever to to Werner. But the part you're going to laugh at is when um, at the very beginning when they were giving she was on the tour when she was five or six years old, and he told this fairy story about the prince. I love that. I love fairy tales. So that's the only reason I really liked that 
Because I'm like, okay, where will that go, if anywhere? I didn't care for the diamond part at all. I thought that was just uh, just thrown in there. It would have been... Okay, I know that it was something that the Nazi officer wanted, supposedly, to keep him from dying, but it just seemed like that was... I don't know, like he had to just put something else in there, so that's what he came up with. But it just seemed like it was a waste of time. I didn't care for the diamond part either, but I have a feeling it might it might have been very important to the author for some reason. Uh, maybe I missed something. Uh, I didn't get the impression that the, the major, I never did quite get his name, Von Rumpel or something. I wasn't sure that he was looking for the diamond to cure him of cancer because... He was looking for it before really he knew he had cancer. I think he had a mission to find art and jewelry for the Fuhrer. Uh, and and that was a, a mission. If he could find that precious uh, and, and, and turn it over to the Nazis, that he would get promotions and honor and everything. Maybe later he thought of it as, a, as a, something that would cure his cancer. But I, I didn't really get the impression that that was ever... Uh, part of his motive. You're right, John. In the beginning, it what he what he he was looking for all the jewels, all the anything. Because I think that Hitler was going to make a palace or something like that that had all of his all of the jewels that he could find. And von Rumpel was like the head of this thing because of his um um um. Oh, I can't think of the words. Because of his occupation before the war. And so in the beginning, his mission was to find all the jewels he could to give it to the Fuhrer. Um, and then at the end, of course, he he somehow he found out the story. Probably the one of the museum people told him. And uh, he said, okay. Okay, you know, that's when he's like, okay, it could cure me, because he kept saying, if I could just get that stone, because he knew it was dying. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of, I mean, the Nazis did try to take all the wonderful paintings all over Europe, and, and th- there's disputes probably to this day, you know, going on about, about, um, about all that. Um, I have to say, one of the parts of the story that I really did like was how Marie Lore went to the museum with her father and I thought to myself, you know, if I were a young person and my father or mother worked in the museum, what a great place to go when you're a kid. I mean, there's so many interesting things to see and I really, I like that part of the story very much. I just thought it was kind of, I mean, I guess she should have really been in school instead of going to the museum every day, but I thought it was it was just a kind of a, a wonderful experience I think for a kid to have. I, I thought it was really interesting. I did. I still think that the officer was looking for the diamond because of the curse and the fact. Because as soon as his character was introduced, it was talking about his discomforts, and so right from the start, although our author didn't dwell on that particular how he felt and stuff, but I think he knew he had was very sick from all the time. Now he took the other jewels, but he wanted the. The diamond in particular. I think he he was just trying to make his life more complete before he died. I think that was just a fulfillment thing. But uh, 
But I think he, they, the only purpose of that diamond thing was to explain why they went to the left Paris. Because Paris was an open city, pretty much, and there were a lot of Nazis there, but uh, they they weren't uh, treating them like they were out in the outer country. You know, maybe I missed this, but I was wondering, when Marie Lore was in her uncle's house, I kept wondering, where did she get food from? Because they would be talking about, you know, the food situation, and after her father left and everything, the uncle never wanted to leave the house, and I guess there was the housekeeper there also, but it was, it was so confusing to me. I kept picturing her there starving to death <laughs> so i mean i think he was he was trying to show a little bit about rightfully so you know all the the deprivations that were going on at that time and i, I was very worried for her that she just had had absolutely nothing to eat there well i think um i remember what ladon was saying that right from the beginning you knew this guy had some sort of medical situation going on they mentioned his discomfort so you probably take take the whole diamond scenario either way, which is just another reason why the diamond scenario maybe wasn't that great because it was not well drawn out. Um, one thing you mentioned about the museum, I thought that was nice at the end where um, Yola brings her little boy with her to the museum to give Marie Lore the little carving back and the museum people take him around and show him the museum. So that's sort of like another way the author did something that was full circle. Well, I, it's actually a little bit after uh, 10 o'clock my time, and I guess we've had, we, people had a lot of different opinions about this book, but I guess there was, was a lot to talk about. So um, Sherry and I just wanted to thank everybody. Um, it was a really good discussion, and um, we hope that we'll, we'll see everybody next month when we discuss uh, Major Pettigrew's Last Stand. So uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you. It was a very good discussion, and I'm going to download the book and read it. I finally found out what Whiskey Island was doing on my list. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a good book, I think. That's my next book. Thanks, everybody, for coming tonight. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the discussion, and... um, and, you know, there were parts of the book I did enjoy, and I guess it was a pretty good depiction of what was going on at that day and time. But I did really enjoy it, and I wish you the best, and uh, you take care. Well, I'm going to call it a night, but before I go, Alan, thanks for the tip on deleting apps. That worked for me. Good, and that was, was a fine book anyway, sure.